Yeah. We started recording right in the middle of Crow making a comment about rat poison, but now we're here. All right. Hello, Internet. We are here today. Yes. This is probably the most awkward intro we've ever had, and I forgot the theme song. We've had uh, a lot of Because I, 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 I bought some tin whistles today, so now I'm going to play our theme song on the uh, tin whistle. The tin whistle is a lot different from the bagpipes. It was sounding good for a second. Yeah, that's that's what I thought, and then and then it always like I'm not sure exactly what it is. Uh, like it's probably just overblowing. It might be that I got tin whistle. Like I looked up this brand of tin whistle, and it seems like it's an okay brand. I don't know. It's called Generation British Made Tin Whistles, and there was a few of them randomly at the thrift store for a dollar each. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm learning a new instrument, because uh, <laughs> that's how I do. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's like the the what? I said I have an ocarina. I haven't learned how to play. Ah, I have, I have an, an ocarina. ocarina. I threw up in. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So I guess I count as the most musically ocarina inclined because I actually know how to play mine. I'm not like incredible at it, but uh, I played, you actually, you actually I played one know how theme to play song here once, didn't I? On my ocarina. I think yeah, I did. once. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, free. The what? Vomit free. Yeah, yeah. Didn't even barf. <laughs> Come on, Chris. Get on my level. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, listeners, welcome to Drink to the Past. As always, I am your host, John Michael Patrick Thompson. This guy over here that you can't actually see is Chris. Yep. And the other guy that you can't actually see is Crow. Hello. I can't see Crow either. Yeah. He's across the internet. Yeah. Crow actually lives inside the internet. Yep. It's a pretty cool life. Hmm. Uh, so always remember to share and subscribe if you like the kind of random, you know, basically two or three guys talking about stuff and then getting sidetracked for half an hour. Uh, then, yeah. Or if you know anybody else that likes this kind of stuff, share. You know, tell them, hey, listen to this. It's it's inane bullshit or, or whatever. Or, or maybe drum it up no, nicer sorry. than that. I don't know. Uh <laughs> I don't know. Is inane bullshit a good description of us? Yeah, I think that's fair. Right. Yeah, I'd say right on the money. Yeah, should we? We'll start another podcast called Inane Bullshit. It'll it'll be like the same thing except without actually any guidelines or topics. We'll just we'll just talk about whatever random shit is happening. Talk about just whatever comes to mind. Yeah, as long as we don't talk about our feelings, because we're men. Yeah, that's not allowed. Apparently, I guess according to societal standards. Yeah. That dickhead society. Anyways, uh, Sean Drinks Something Stupid today is sponsored by my wife got some ginger beer. So uh, I decided to make something out of it. Apparently Moscow mules are made out of ginger beer. I had no idea. Hmm. Uh, Because I don't actually pay attention to mixed drinks much, which is why making mixed drinks on the podcast has been like an adventure and a half. Uh, Anyways, I had most of the stuff. I don't have lime juice. Apparently every fucking mixed drink in the world needs lime juice. And I don't have any, so I guess I'm just going to have to go buy some lime juice so eventually I can actually make a drink properly on the podcast <laughs> at some point. But anyways, other than that, it's just ginger beer and vodka, so I got my good old giant-ass bottle of Stoli here and uh, poured in not quite half of it. I'm kidding. I didn't pour in quite that much. I poured in it's still a two lot of shots vodka. or something. 
Uh, yeah, that, that that's I've had that for a while. Anyway, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, let's find out how it is. Mm-mm. Like, mm. not bad. Mostly tastes like lemony ginger beer. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like it's okay. It's fine. Uh, eight. Hmm. Not like overly amazing in any way. Probably not going to come back to this particular recipe. Yeah. I have a left-hand brewer's test kitchen milkshake IPA, and I am an idiot because I thought I was drinking a milkshake shake stout for the uh, first two <laughs> drinks of this. Yeah. But uh, it was it's kind of – it's like – it's kind of milky and it's kind of IPA-y, but mostly it tastes like the can. Huh. So – well, that's a little bit of a letdown. I hadn't tried that yet, so I was hoping to try that. But maybe I'll try something else after I'm done with this uh, muggo fun. Yeah, I'd, I'd give this an 8 or a 9. It's okay. interesting, at least. It's kind of lame. I uh, It kind of attracted me to the mix pack that it had this milkshake IPA in it because it's like it has test in the name, as I said. You yeah. Know? If, if it says it's a test or an experiment or something, I'm like, I'm all for that kind of weird beers and uh i've only ever had one other milkshake ipa before which was the rarest beer i've ever had because it was only available for one day at a brewery called caution brewing company which this particular day was the last day that the brewery was open at all so literally you could get this for one day and then the next day the brewery didn't even exist anymore uh yeah huh kind of funny story there um and it was a cherry milkshake ipa of all things uh and it was like really good and i didn't understand how it was so great and i guess i never will because now the brewery doesn't exist you know what this is actually starting to grow on me i'm getting past the can flavor and getting into a ipa milkshake flavor cool that helps crow what you drinking uh i am drinking last of my not your father's mountain ale Right. And it tastes more citrusy than usual, so hmm. not not great. Mm. Huh. Uh, three to seventeen. I think it's a nine. All right. It's not great today. Below human average, all around. Yeah. We we're just having an off week. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah. All right. Uh, anyways, going on to the brief news stuff. Uh, Avengers Endgame is coming back into theaters with a post-credits scene added. And and that's literally the difference, I guess. And Avengers Endgame, second subtitle. We wanted more money. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> so um, I don't know. It's like a, a pretty big chunk of the internet is all pissed off about this because it's like, you want me to pay for a full movie price ticket just to go see the post credit scene? And I'm like, dude, you realize you could just not and watch it on YouTube later, right? Yeah. Yeah, Like, I don't know why people are freaking out this much about it. There's nothing forcing them to go out and watch it uh, again. Personally, I was thinking about going and watching it a third time in theaters because, like, it's a spectacle. It's it's a great freaking thing, and it's it's just kind of one of those things that, like, it, it just its cultural impact alone makes me kind of want to go you know even give more money to the cash cow just because i i, I kind of wanted to pass avatar as the highest grossing movie of all time 
in this kind of because then anybody would remember a major plot point of the highest grossing movie of all time because i've like i've talked about people with this like uh crow do you remember anything about avatar other than blue guy fighting and stuff uh i remember the like dragon scenes really well that was really cool yep i uh um can you quote one line from the film any line no yeah (laughs) see (laughs) i uh the the most memorable thing about avatar to me is i once stood for four hours in a line for the banshee ride at disney world Hmm. uh it was not worth it was not it was like it was it was a good ride it was not worth standing in line for four hours it was worth standing in line maybe like 20 or 30 minutes Mm -hmm. i've always kind of wondered about disneyland i've never been and i've always been kind of like with lines that long is it even worth it like (laughs) uh is there a single ride in the entire world that is worth waiting that long in line no we gotta think about this maybe a roller coaster that makes you trip balls like they give you a tab of acid and tell you to wait for two hours to have it kick in and then make you ride it while you're tripping Okay, I'm in. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, next brief news thing. Um, well, that was basically it. But uh, next week, uh, we are going to have a very special episode because we're going to have a special guest on with us. Elemental Knight, the main designer of Reclaim the Wild, is going to come on. I'm excited uh, for this He's going to uh, host a one-shot session with Chris and I. We're going to play his new tabletop uh, which is all based on the Legend of Zelda. So that's, like, incredibly exciting. Uh, we're glad to have him on. If you'd like to find out more about this system, you can actually get the whole system for free with uh, a couple of different supplements uh, at their website, reclaimthewild.net. So check them out, and we'll have Elemental Night on here next week, and, uh, and that'll be great. It's high quality, too. This is not... Yeah, it's... Uh, for, it's uh, I'm like, this is something that someone would probably be selling like a $55 book for, and it's just all free. Yeah, uh, that was one of the things. Yeah, that's one of the things I noticed when I was looking through it, because I've seen several like uh, Zelda RPG kind of things before, and, you know, other like RPG systems based off of pop culture stuff. And usually, if it's free, it's like you check it out, and it's kind of okay, some interesting concepts. You know, maybe if you're lucky, a 50-page document of all the rules. And so that's kind of what I was going to go in expecting when I saw this article about it. And I was like, okay, let's check it out. And the the initial document just for the core rules is like 270 pages or something, roughly. Yeah. Something like that. So that's like the size of, you know, a core rule book for D&D, which is a you know obviously the big system it's so it's got that level of detail but it's all a fan project made completely out of just them loving zelda and uh and the whole thing so actually uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna switch gears to that real quick because uh right before chris brings a thing i was gonna talk about uh sean brings a thing and i was gonna talk about it a little so let's let's just plug them a little bit while we're here um because Reclaim the Wild, the system is super customizable. It's not incredibly overwhelming to get into. 
you know, once if you've played any tabletop before, it'll pretty much everything kind of makes sense. Uh, even if you haven't, I feel like it would be an okay entry level one. And the thing about this is, like, every little detail feels like it was made to be The Legend of Zelda. It feels like this could be an officially published thing. Um, so, yeah, Nintendo, get on that. Give them money or something. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> uh, Crow, have you heard about this system at all? No. Most uh, news to me. Interest in it? Yeah, I, of course. Anything Zelda has my interest. Tabletop right. is a new thing for me, so... Yeah. Yeah. So definitely something to check out. Uh, ReclaimTheWild.net. If you want to just go check out their books, it's totally free. Uh, Anyways, and that's all of that. Uh, Video game topic this week is we're just going to talk about Cadence of Hyrule for like forever because it's amazing. Chris, did you play it yet? Uh, I played a game. Which game? (laughs) You bastard. (laughs) You ruined me. I played a couple games. All right, were they good? Uh, yeah, good. Can't wait to hear about those. <laughs> right. Uh, so Crow has talked about uh, Cadence of Hyrule with me a little bit uh, on the Twitter and things. So uh, Crow, why don't you? you mean at length. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, so uh, why don't you give him a rundown of that while I get my switch, so Chris can join in on the fun live-ish on the podcast. Live-ish, except, you know, without any images. So, Cadence of Hyrule is a almost like a roguelike Zelda indie game. It's a, a very similar to Link to the Past that focuses on the music. You move, and you fight, and you do stuff to the cadence of the beat. And it's hard, but not that hard, and it's fun, and it's kind of unforgiving. So, is it, uh, is it a roguelike, like, Crypt of the Necrodancer? Yes. Okay. It's not quite as unforgiving as Crypt of the Necrodancer. You do get to keep some of your stuff when you die, but you also lose some of your stuff when you die. It also has a little bit of a different kind of formula in uh, how it presents itself. Because in Crypt of the Necrodancer, it's just you're in a little cave, and then you go into the level, and then the level is all roguelike, uh, you know, randomly generated every time. Uh, Basically, when you make a new game uh, in Cadence of Hyrule... Uh, it randomly generates an overworld, which has a handful of uh, set places that are the dungeons. And other than that, everything on the overworld is randomly generated, but then it stays that particular pattern for the rest of the game. Okay. Uh, and then within the dungeons, there's also roguelike elements like that as well. So I'm just going to hand you the ye old switch so you can get on that. That's cool. Yeah, get on that hype train. Um, and I did a, a super in-depth review of the game on two guys playing Zelda, so you can, if you have time, read that article. Or, uh, it's Sophie did a review as well, which is shorter and more to the point than mine is. Uh, yeah, uh, do you remember the, I plug her site, but I don't remember the name of it offhand. Uh, something like Sleepy Toadstool, I think? For something? Yeah. Uh, Is that right? Something like that. Yep, Sleepy Toad School. Yeah, okay, so check that out if you want either review. Um, But yeah, just in general, uh, I like this game personally better than Crypt of the Necrodancer, uh, but I I really like the original. Crow, did you play the original at all? Nope, I downloaded it, didn't do anything else. (laughs) Nice. 
Um, so yeah, I, I like the original uh, just fine. Uh, some of the sometimes the roguelike elements kind of got a little draining on me when I you know because I felt like every time you failed a level in Crypt of the Necrodancer, it's like you go back to the very very beginning of that level, even if you're three or four floors into these levels. And it takes, you know, I feel like it could have been checkpointed a little easier. Uh, but maybe that would have made it a little too easy. I don't know. Um, so it's that's kind of a hard thing. But I am i haven't played a lot of other roguelikes, so it's it's hard to compare. And, and you know, uh, so I didn't mind it. I got a couple of levels in even past some of the bosses there. Um, and it's really just a great... Uh, mesh of rhythm gameplay as well as kind of puzzle combat uh which i think is what you how you described it in your review was puzzle combat and i really yes. like that i like that terminology because it there's not really another good way to put it yeah i mean everything you do you have to like you have to think about it yeah and but the fun is like thinking about it in the split second you have between beats so then you're never really sure quite what's going to happen next um, except when you sink 27 hours into the game like I do the, the beat kind of gets ingrained into muscle memory right yeah uh, that's, that's kind of the thing um, I haven't quite got up there I've, I've done one playthrough I like 99% of it. I was going to go for 100. I think I still am, but then I was like, maybe I'm just going to start a new file and, you know, see what else I can see go the different route cuz I picked Zelda first the first time and uh now I'll go pick Link first and just see, you know, the little differences there cuz it it doesn't seem like there's a lot of them. After I unlocked Link, I felt like I liked playing as Zelda better anyways just cuz her reflect spell with the Nehru's love is like, really awesome. Yeah, but you gotta be so on point with the timing. Yeah, uh, but even if you're, like, one beat early, you're still protected from hits, which is which I thought was kind of nice. So it yeah. is... It's definitely easier than Crypt of the Necrodancer. Yeah, you can tell that already. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of what I gathered myself after about that length. Uh, I heard you just fall into a hole, so I'm guessing you chose Link or Zelda? I chose Zelda. Okay. Who who'd you guys choose? Team Link, I guess. And I chose Zelda. So I guess Crow's outvoted. <laughs> that means apparently that means Crow has to drink. I just did. <laughs> okay, good. All right, I'll drink to that. As soon as I said that, I'm like, I gotta drink for this. <laughs> nice. All right, I'll drink to that. But yeah, um, the music is. Not only, like, I feel like if any other developer had uh, done this or a similar thing to this and just taken the Zelda music and kind of made it, you know, a little different, it, it, it wouldn't have come across the same. Because what I love about this, actually, is that because I have played Crypt of the Necrodancer, now I can, like, there's some tunes that sometimes I'm not sure if it's for a second if it's Crypt of the Necrodancer tune or Zelda tune that's been remixed somehow. Because um, there's so many elements of the music from both games that's kind of ingrained to the core of the music direction in this game. Uh, and I I really just love Zelda music anyways, so it's this is fucking incredible. 
that overworld thing, man. So addictive. Yeah. And I don't know how many versions of Telltale Heights I've listened to in my day, but it's it's still not enough. <laughs> and this is honestly one of the best ones I've ever heard is the Telltale Heights theme in here, which uh, I forget what areas that plays in, but uh, it's... it's Hold on. Stim- no. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I suck at rhythm games, but I'm still going to play it rhythm game style. Nice. Is, is it giving you the uh, message that, like, oh, you can turn off the rhythm? Yes. <laughs> so I guess I must have been good enough at keeping the beat that it never actually asked me about that. Did it ask yeah, you it never about asked that? Me. Okay. So we're slightly better musicians than Chris. Ah. I mean, that's. Take that. Not really that much. He's just a hard mode. Yeah. I think there is. The what? I think there's a hard mode, but I need to see, because I know there's custom options. Yeah, um, there might be. I don't know, I I didn't look too far into it, I just kind of started up my own game and, you know, on all the default settings and stuff, and went with it. I had to bench play it. (laughs) Um, so yeah, uh, the music is great, the, uh... Gameplay itself is great. Uh, how do you like the graphics, Crow? It looks phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's a very nice art style. This is how I envisioned a Link to the Past remake would look like. Right. Uh, you think if they did a Link to the Past remake, they'd do something like this rather than a uh, more modern kind of, like, 3D textures and stuff like they did in Link Between Worlds or... Uh, in the new Link's Awakening remake? No, they'd probably go with 3D still if Nintendo did an actual remake. Yeah. I always imagined that probably Link Between Worlds started as a remake and then they had a bunch of new ideas that they ended up adding through production and said, okay, now we have to make it a different game, right? <laughs> probably. Uh, which which is fine, because uh, it, it, it came out, it's a good game. I like Link Between Worlds pretty well. Um, so, what do you think about this game as compared to other Zelda games? Is this worthy of being called a Zelda game? 100%. This is easily in my top 10 Zeldas. Alright. I don't know, I'd have to think about it where it ranks. Yeah, I've I've kind of been thinking about that myself, because, uh, like, the initial shock of just how good it was still hasn't quite worn off. Uh, so I want to play it through again and, you know, experience it a couple of different ways and see what else it has to offer uh, before I make my final decision. But, like, just initial reaction, like, as I was playing it, I felt like I was a kid again playing Link to the Past for the very first time is is just how good this thing is. And it's, it's funny, like, with how many... Uh, Zelda-like or Zelda clones or or whatever you want to call them. I've played several games in that type and not one of them outside the real Zelda series has ever felt like a real Zelda game as much as Cadence of Hyrule does. Yeah, there's very few games that are just like, all I think about at work is I want to go home and play this game. Right. But this... Would it be all that out of place for a guy 
playing Switch at GameStop? No. <laughs> how, ma how many hours did you waste at work playing <laughs> Cadence of Hyrule? At work? Yeah. Uh, one hour. All right. So not too bad. You were mostly a good person. <clears throat> I tried. Yeah. It's kind of cool how sometimes they uh, kind of encourage you to play more games and, and talk to people about it. I remember the first week that Pokemon Go came out, uh, the manager at my GameStop was, like, literally just had his phone out the whole time because, like, I guess somebody told him that he was supposed to just play Pokemon Go constantly to promote Pokemon or something. Yeah. Like, That's funny. It sounds like a good job. I need, I need to do that. It could be fun. Yeah. So, Chris, what's your verdict after 10 minutes or whatever? However well, I'm enjoying it so far. It's, yeah. it's, I'm like, I'm remembering the sheer hell that was the third floor of Krypton the Necrodancer. <laughs> right. And uh, this game is much easier. Well, if you I want... I say as I uh, die a second time. <laughs> nice. If you want a challenge, they do have an option in the custom options for double time mode and permadeath mode. I would probably do permadeath mode if only because I want to rise to the challenge of the game even if I'm woefully bad at keeping the beat. So is it permadeath for all three of you? If you unlock Link, Zelda, and Cadence and one dies, do you get to continue yeah. with the other two? Or is it if any of you dies, then you just reset the game? It reads, and I quote... A more challenging experience. Once you get a game over, the game ends permanently. Okay, so you, like that your would game be, crashes. Yeah, you that would be any one of you dies. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> wasted twenty five bucks. You got to buy it again. It's yeah, like, it's like an arcade game, but <laughs> with a yeah. Just another thing I noticed in this quarter. game is really how many enemies from the Zelda series were remade and kind of reimagined in this game is just really staggering because they're like every screen I felt like I was, you know, seeing a new enemy almost in a lot of places. You know, you're seeing, you know, a lot of your easy staples like Tektites and Octoroks and Deku Scrubs and stuff like that. And then, you know, you get into some of them, you're getting like Beemos, which is like in a handful of Zelda games, but not a ton. <clears throat> and then you're getting... Like, some of the weird ones, like one of the bosses was actually Glockenspiel. It's a Gliok, but it's a Glockenspiel, which was the best thing ever, because that's actually my favorite original Legend of Zelda boss uh, from the first game, and, and really one of my favorite bosses just in general from the series. And I feel like no other game that he's been reimagined in has done him justice, which has only been like two games. Because he was in, he no, had like no a, other game has an enemy where you stab it so many times that one its original head flies off and starts shooting fireballs at you while the uh, it grows a new yeah. one. Yeah, because because that's exactly what it does in this, except it's it's all to the beat, and it's insane. This fight, uh, that was the first boss that I did, and I died so many times to it. I was like, okay, maybe next time I'm gonna go to go to a different one first. Uh, He's the only one that killed me twice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He killed me a lot of times because I, <laughs> I had like hardly any heart containers and, uh, you know, not enough diamonds to get any good items between deaths and stuff. So, 
that's another kind of big difference there, Chris, is actually you get to keep diamonds no matter what. So, like, if you save up, like, 20 diamonds and then you die and you spend four of them at the shop, then it won't just cancel the rest of them like it would in Crypt of the Necrodancer. You get to keep those for your next life, and by which I mean next death. Yeah. <laughs> well, Luke, I only died nine times. All right. I died what like 57 times <laughs> well I, like I died two times in that in that just that little 10 minute segment that i played so i guess you could say i'm an expert in the tutorial yeah there you go died twice so, in the cadence tutorial before you even got to zelda <laughs> i have to say this is i think the only zelda game that has both the iron knuckle and the dark knot in it which is really cool uh yeah now that you mention it i think it is uh that is interesting because iron knuckles I feel like I've only been in uh, Zelda 2 and all the like, time. And Majora's Mask. And Majora's Mask, that's right. Uh, yeah, there was like yeah, one of them, double. and it wrecked your shit because you found it and you were Young Link, so it did like double the damage it did to uh, <laughs> Adult Link yeah. in Ocarina of Time. So I, I think he hit for like eight hearts damage in that game. Jeez. Something like that. He yeah. could one-shot you if you weren't good enough. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, which, luckily, I know the fight pretty well, but, like, because uh, it's, it's not a particularly difficult Zelda fight, but he's just such an iconic enemy, I feel like, because of his placement in Ocarina of Time. Uh, Both of them are badass. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, Dark Nuts, obviously, have been a basically one of the hardest Zelda enemies since the original game. You know, Ocarina of Time is the only, I think, the only Zelda game where you get to see uh, Iron Knuckle take off all its clothes. <whistles> well, not all its clothes. Just some of them. Right. You know, a little bit of a striptease yeah. there from the knuckle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Majora does it, too. You mean the part where he drops the skull kid behind him? Well, because you're talking about when you beat him up enough, his armor falls off, right? Yeah. Yeah, that happens in both games. Because there's, there's an iron knuckle in the iconic graveyard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I was actually uh, thinking of the sage. Uh, oh, right. When he... When he the iron knuckle falls all of his equipment falls off and it's just Niburu. yeah yeah and you're like actually that was kind of impressive that she was able to wear that awkwardly shaped armor and wield a giant axe yeah because the I mean, like the proportions of that armor compared to the proportions of Niburu are nothing similar at all <laughs> i mean the dark nuts and twilight princess stripped down that's true too yeah you they kind of lose some of their armor as you were going and were dark nuts and twilight princess yeah yeah two of them yeah I and, uh, was it in the temple of, of time or hyrule no. castle uh well there's a couple places for the standard ones hyrule castle for sure same okay. with the cave of ordeals right um but there was also a different breed in the uh the mansion the one mm. that had the, the ball and chain Right. He was kind of like a dark nut, but not quite, so... 
It's like a Dark Knight Musclefoss hybrid. Yeah, kind of. So I, I, I didn't think of him. But uh, that was also a cool boss, because it reminded me, you know, back to the Ball and Chain Trooper from uh, Link to the Past, which, speaking of Ball and Chain Trooper and Cadence of Hyrule is fucking amazing. <laughs> Recreation of that. He is. It's <laughs> totally terrible. But, uh, you know, just like he was in the, you know, the first time you're fighting him. You know, I, I feel like I died to that Ball and Chain Trooper a bunch of times as a kid. And now I'd go in and I'd be like, yeah, you're a chump. Fuck you. But as a kid, I he was like one of the most intimidating enemies that I'd ever seen in a video game. What if game. I told you that those were in Enter the Gungeon? Ball and Chain Troopers? Yes. I'm buying Enter the Gungeon? No. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, um, I was going to tell you, Chris, I had the chance to buy Undertale because it was on sale for the E3 sale. Um, and then instead I bought Celeste. You know what? I'm fine with that. Celeste is also a good game. <laughs> yeah, every, everybody's been kind of talking up Celeste recently, uh, so I, I was like, I'm going to get that. Celeste has an awesome soundtrack. Yeah. Too, so. Yeah. And apparently, balls hard freaking platforming. Yeah, well, you think it's, it's you think it's balls hard, and then you get to the B stages, and you're like, oh, that was easy. I see the game was training me for with easy mode. Ah. Yeah, it's like it starts out hard because it's new, and then it's okay, and then the last two levels are like unfair, fuck you game hard. Right. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that a little as my next kind of thing. Because I, I, when I buy games on the eShop, I always get gift cards at my grocery store because I, then I get discounts on gas for buying it there. But the Nintendo ones are only in $10 and $20 increments. So if I get something that's like $25, then I end up with like an extra 5 bucks. So I had like 16 bucks from random accidentally buying too much on a gift card. And I was like, oh, what's on the E3 sale here? And I, I thought about a few things. I almost bought Hollow Knight too, but then I, I went for Celeste instead of Hollow Knight. Okay. I, I honestly think you're probably... You're not strapped for choice. All of those are good. Would have been good decisions to pick mm. up. Yeah. yeah. Anywho, uh, anything else on Cadence of Hyrule, or shall we move it all along? So I guess Cadence has the Triforce of Power. Guessing a plot twist here. Oh uh, no! Uh, totally non-obvious. Yeah. What? No. So uh, it's a uh, Octavo because they showed it in the beginning. His loot—it's golden because it has the Triforce of Power inside. Oh, okay. And this comes into play later. I want a loot. Loots are cool. Are loots good? guitar. Loots are very expensive. Okay. <laughs> um, I know a guy, actually, who plays at the Renaissance Festival here in Colorado who has a uh, kind of a... He found a loot at a yard sale, and it was, like, beat to shit, and they were just, like, probably just trying to get rid of it, and he bought it, and he fixed up the body and the neck... And uh, he had to put a new uh, headstock on it. And he doesn't actually play a lute, so he put a 12-string guitar headstock on it and strung it like a 12-string guitar. But it's got a lute body and 12-string guitar strings, obviously. Uh, and it really has one of the most interesting, unique sounds because it, it's like some hybrid of the two instruments. Huh. It's... It's kind of badass. It's got the... kind of wonder what that would even sound like. 
Um, yeah, you kind of got to, like, go see it to really understand. It's Like, I have no idea how I would describe it. So anyways, let's move on to our table topic for the day. Um, <clears throat> we're going to randomly talk about anime and what anime Whoa. would make the best tabletop game. Because this is a kind of a thing that I have fun with. Uh, I like just referencing random shit in my campaigns, as Chris will attest to. Uh, in my Pirates campaign, it was fraught with hundreds of random uh, One Piece and Legend of Zelda references, mostly. And also just some random other shit, whatever I thought of here and there. I was like, and, and here, like, here's that, here's that. Uh, this is going to sound really strange coming from me, of all people, because mm-hmm. I basically didn't watch one piece i saw the four kids dub and i was like eh, and then i never got into i never got into any of the better versions of it mm-hmm. but one piece just has kind of a sandbox world to explore around in yeah so that's one good candidate for that yeah uh that's kind of why i put in so many one piece references there was to kind of just get you guys to explore the world that i built basically and give you like here's the world do shit and i'll figure out what happens next uh which (laughs) has accidentally become my dm style uh yeah what do you think i don't uh i know this is a point of contention with whether or not this is an anime but avatar last airbender would make for a good tabletop thing. Yeah, I think it would. Um, technically, I, mean, I guess you could make the argument that it has to be Japanese, but I don't care. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I, the world building was, you know, at least as good as the average anime, and it was, you know, almost as convoluted as normal animes, but a lot more streamlined, actually. So it, it Actually, the plot made sense. It, yeah, it made more sense than a lot of animes because most animes you're like, okay, I need like a flow chart and a bunch of different graphs and you know infographics just to figure out what the fuck is going on. And at that point, you're like, okay, this is the most amazing and deep story that there has ever been. And Avatar comes close to that, but but you can actually pay attention to it just episode by episode, and even, like, miss an entire season, and you'll still have a vague idea what's going on. And also, the individual episodes are interesting, and you don't... You can get dropped in the middle of the plot and still be interested in the show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, it's... And actually, all of those are good elements to put into a tabletop game. Because players drop in and out. You know, bullshit happens. And as a more... And another example, totally going off the rails from either of those, in in a different direction, would be uh, Madoka. Huh. And I say this because I know there's already games that are basically kind of based off of it. Right. Uh, Like Magical Burst. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... For anybody that hasn't watched Madoka Magica, it's, it's, it's a fucking amazing series. You don't think it's going to be, like, for the first three episodes, and then suddenly it's like, oh my god, I can't stop watching. Yeah. You seen that show, Crow? I have not. Okay, I think it might still be on Netflix. It, it was at one point. I haven't paid attention for a while. I know it was on Crunchyroll at one point. I think I also have some... Uh some uh, MP4s of it laying around somewhere. How dare you, you filthy pirate. 
Give back the one piece. Aha, I brought it full circle. Oh. <laughs> Aren't you proud of yourself? Oh, a little bit. Or, you know, maybe I have to drink. I'm not sure. So I'm, I'm going to drink anyway. Well, I'll, say, I'll call that a drink. What, yep. why, don't we, why don't we turn it around and think of what an- anime we like and think is good, but wouldn't translate well to tabletop? Dragon Ball. Stolen right, right out from under me. Huh? <laughs> Sniped. <laughs> you just got kill stolen, bitch. Too slow. <laughs> right. Uh, you know what? What's kind of hilarious though is that since both of you were going to talk about that, is it weird that I've actually made a uh, custom homebrew set of rules for Dragon Ball Z in Dungeons and Dragons? A little bit. It's <laughs> actually because of how long the Dragon Ball fights last. I guess you could say that it works in D&D. Yeah, actually, I that was kind of how I built the entire thing, because basically the core mechanic was that every class got a signature attack that they could customize. Like, every level you got a point to spend, and you could either make it do more damage or have a higher chance of critical hits. Or you or could stuff die like inspiringly. That. Yeah, that too. That was, that was a different thing. Um, but uh, then when you used your signature attack, you could actually charge it for any number of rounds... And you would get an extra point for every round that you charged it. So, like, you could just automatically critical hit uh, if you charged for, like, 20 rounds. Or, you know, or add 20 D6 to your total damage modifier. Or, you know, any combination of that and uh, whatever else other mechanics I had. I think I think I had a few different... You could make it more accurate or uh, make it shoot in a cone instead of just one target or different things like that so if you charged it up you could do more bullshit just like they did in the show and uh chris didn't you play a session of that with me i did play a session of that i remember that i was uh i was the the equivalent of the spell caster class which there there is no spell caster in I guess it's like... Right, I called it caster because I was like, what should I call it? Because I was like, okay, you have a meat shield, obviously, who's the you know big tanky guy that takes all the hits. Yeah. And then I guess you have a caster who's the guy who's best at uh, shooting people with his energy attacks but doesn't do much else and is a little bit more squishy. So I called him caster. So I was, so I was the energy attack guy, and uh, Josh was also playing with us. Uh, not your brother, Josh. A different Josh. And uh, he was a Krillin. Yes, I made Krillin into his own class. <laughs> Krillin was the most broken class in the system as long as he was with teammates. By himself, he was completely worthless. But he was he was like a buffomancer. Sounds about right. Yeah. He was just like, I will inspire you all with my shiny bald head and you will do things better. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, so you know have I mean? we changed your mind, Crow? Do you want to play this now? I'll play. <laughs> all right. I'll have to dig it out. <laughs> all right. That's hilarious. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, I can see why you would say Dragon Ball Z would not work. Uh, but I, I made it work. It, so there. Dragon Ball Z kind of has a serial escalation <laughs> thing going that... Mm-hmm. Doesn't translate easily or naturally to tabletop. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what anime wouldn't work as a tabletop very well? Mm. Is Berserk. 
Because because if you made a normal human like Guts and faced him against any number of the ungodly powerful demons that he fought, then he would just die. Yeah. Like every time. <laughs> like they have divine ranks and shit. <laughs> yeah. Let's see, Berserk. Yeah. Berserk's kind of a weird one because uh, if you went back to the Band of the Hawk arc, mm-hmm. uh, that might work. Yeah, if that one's like be fine, but but yeah. that's basically like Fire Emblem, but worse. Like not not like worse st- storytelling wise, but like the world is crap here. Hmm. Yeah, generally. Uh. Any harem anime would probably make for a crappy tabletop. And I'm sure that people have tried to do it. I don't it. know. I, I feel like you, you gotta have, like, some sort of crazy waifu system, don't you? Oh, shit. I'm forgetting well, about made RPG. Where you... There's three sword art games. Hmm. Does that count? I knew there was one, because I saw it in GameStop the other day, and I was like, they made a sword art game? Yeah, they made three. There's a fourth one coming out. Yeah. Huh. Why? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Games and movies. But, yeah, I said harem anime. I really be- like the uh, art style in Sword Art. And it's, that's yes. about it. I don't, I don't like all the plot holes. <laughs> but I yeah, only watched season two. There is. It. It's not nearly as fraught with plot holes as season one was. An anime. There, there is a tabletop RPG that is bit based around being so like girls in a harem anime. What, Kinky. What I want to see as an as a tabletop. Bubba bo. Yeah. No. Yeah. That would translate. That's like that's basically <laughs> just a, absurd. Right. It's basically just a game of microscope. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> that, would, that, would, that would do it. Uh, I don't know. Now I want to make that like one of my homebrew classes. I'm going to make a guy that slaps people around with his nose hair. And have a completely useless class speech at a jiggler. Yeah. I'm the bona fide oh, protector of hair. <laughs> the show was. It was so dumb, weird. it was amazing. <laughs> Love that show. I forgot about that show's existence until now. Would Johnny Bravo translate well to tabletop? Probably. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I don't fucking know. Uh... I think you're reaching now, Chris. What? (laughs) I said, I think you're reaching now. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't think we can count Johnny Bravo as 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 an anime. anime? (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah. Um, But, uh... One one anime that I was thinking would really work almost feels like cheating because it's based off of a video game, but uh, fucking Pokemon. Yeah, that that yes, that is cheating, but I agree with you. Right? I mean, there are tabletop games for Pokemon, so yeah, you could very easily translate that into a D and D. Yeah, uh, I actually did sort of once. I made a custom. Actually, a whole homebrew system based around Pokemon, which was kind of funny, because basically I actually took the core elements of how Fire Emblem works behind the scenes and just slapped a Pokemon skin on it, uh, and it, it worked surprisingly well, because Fire Emblem is, like, one of the most balanced 
systems ever. Like it's it's so easy to understand uh, that I accidentally figured it out by playing a buttload of Fire Emblem games over the years, and I was like, oh well, I could easily just make this into a tabletop system, and then I did, and then at some point I was talking to somebody and I was like, we need to make a Pokemon system, and I was like, why couldn't I do it with this? And I actually made it so easily modular that you could literally just look up a Pokemon stats on, like, uh, uh, Pokedex. Yeah, oh, yeah, Bulbapedia, or, uh, we had a Pokedex book at that point. That was, we were old school. Uh, but, um, and, and take all the actual in-game stats and, uh, then create a Pokemon character in the game around it. But then, uh, I think, you played that with me a handful of times. We tried playtesting it, and we ended up deciding yeah. that the only problem with that was that the only way I could figure out to randomly do it based off of their in-game stats was to flip, like, a shitload of coins. So so what I remember was the issue with that is that levels mattered, like, a lot. Like, if you were five levels lower than somebody else, you lost. Yeah. And, the yeah, the shitload of coin flips thing was... Mm -hmm. And then I found that there's some, like, aberration Pokemon that have, like, a defense stat that's way higher than the average Pokemon. And then you guys were, like, fighting a Steelix in a gym, and, and like, literally, mechanically, nobody could do any damage to it. Shuckle is a god. Yes, Shuckle would have <laughs> just fucking owned everybody. I love Shuckle. So, but Pokemon, yeah, it's it's like, it's the kind of thing that would make a good tabletop once those, once those flaws were fixed. Yeah, I, I did kind of retool it at some point afterward, but then we never got around to that because our group just flops around all over the place. Like, like a fish. Like a dead fish merged with a chicken with its head cut off. That is how randomly our group operates. Uh, Magikarp. Yes. Uh, I was thinking uh, one more anime, which was Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop. I like spacefaring. And bounty uh, hunting. And, and bounty hunting. Yeah, actually, both of those things really work well for uh, uh, tabletops. Uh, it, there's also not really a lot of good spacefaring tabletops, I feel like. Uh, I, like do... I feel like the notable ones are... Uh, Traveler is a notable one. And Star Wars D20, but I never really liked Star Wars D20 as well as I liked just playing D20 and, like, calling your sword a lightsaber, and mechanically it's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> and but I've... somehow the whole system works better than the... Because it was, it was based off of so, modern, which was just a wacky-ass system. So that makes me think of <laughs> an RPG I'd need to bring next time. Cool. Uh, which is an amazing tabletop, mm -hmm. and I think you'd really like it, and you'd probably look at it and think, oh, this is actually a spacefaring RPG that is designed the way it should be designed. Cool. Yeah, that's exactly what I want. Yes. Yeah. So I'll bring that next time. Awesome. Uh, we we kind of tried to do a homebrew one of that one time when uh, Owen was a guy in our group was wanting to get together and do a campaign like that. And he came up with a lot of cool custom rules for it that seemed pretty cool. 
Uh, so I wonder whatever happened to that. Oh, and if you're listening, then text me and tell me what happened to yeah. that. Show up via Palantir or something. Yeah. When he can. Cool. Yeah, we should actually okay. get Owen on the podcast sometime. That'd be great. Yeah. I haven't talked to him long enough. <laughs> Anyways. Stupid bastard moving out to Montana. wrong state. Anyways, that's fine. Things happen. Uh, so, any more animes? Naruto would probably make a good one. Yeah, Naruto would... It'd probably be fine. Uh, would you start as, like, uh, just a piddly-ass ninja like Naruto did? I mean, that's that's the way you should start. Is uh, Yeah. Just someone who's absolutely useless. And then ex- inexplicably all of your rivals are way stronger and more powerful than you, but you somehow beat them anyway? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that just sounds like D&D at this point. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I think just mechanically just being ninjas and everybody having that kind of Naruto-like magic powers and shit would be pretty cool, but I feel like starting it in whiny ninja school would be kind of annoying. I don't want to start in whiny ninja school. I want to be a badass ninja going on adventures from the start. Well, I I mean, the way you'd set it up is, okay, you were... The trainee ninjas sent out f- into the woods for punishment when your entire v- village got burned down by assholes. Yeah, that might work. Something Flying like assholes. And now you got to avenge them. The problem is that you're level one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you have to go into the world and level up and actually figure out how to do all this ninja shit without actually having anybody to teach you. Yeah. I don't even like Naruto in this sense. fun. <laughs> awesome. I, uh, I, I read a bunch of the Naruto manga like a long ass time ago, and then uh, my uh, manga pirating site uh, disappeared. There's always another one. When one falls, two more rise up. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, I've I've since just kind of taken a back seat to pirating most stuff in general because of like most of the time it's like actually you know very beneficial even to just watch it through a regular source even if it's not a paid source or something like that. So, to the original content creators. Hopefully you can benefit the original content creators, and that's that's how I would probably judge that, at least from a moral perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you can't. Sometimes the original content creators lost everything. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Make up your own mind. I'm not advocating anything. <laughs> right? We we advocate nothing here on Drink to the Past. That's that's our new motto. Yeah. We advocate nothing. Right. We advocate. We well, advocate to drink. Yeah, we advocate booze. I was about to say so. We advocate drink alcohol that. in a healthy amount that will not get us sued by people. <laughs> drink responsibly, not like us. <laughs> hey, we only do this once a week. Yeah. Uh, on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, Chris and me are going to be doing this again tomorrow playing D&D, so, it, you yeah, know, you know. <laughs> uh, there's that. Okay, so if there's not any more animes, then I guess we're out of topic, so shit. Um, Chris brings a thing. I did bring a thing, and this thing is a tabletop that is always kind of really interested me, uh, mm-hmm. but the complexity kind of turned me off. 
actually turned me off a little bit. Um, and I feel like if I'm having trouble keeping track of all the stuff in this system, it's going to be hell to do this with players. Mm-hmm. But it still is something, the kind of thing that's always really tempted me. Mm-hmm. Ars Magica, 5th edition. Cool. And <laughs> it's basically, uh, you're, it's set in like the real world metal ages, except everything runs off of Aristotelian physics. So, and like the assumption is that the god behind the Catholic Church is, like, real, and demons are, are real, and mm-hmm. fairies are real, and all that shit. And also, and you're hey, basically... you can molest the fairies. You're not supposed to. And it's actually against that code. Huh. But they molest the fairies I don't all know. The time, they, they, anyway. It says molesting the fairies right here, so that's going to be the first <laughs> thing I do. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, grogs. I like grog. Grog is delicious. So, I, it's a character type, so I'm going to guess that has nothing to do with the drink. Uh, they're basically characters anyone at the table can play. Like, anyone, someone rolls them up, and then anyone at the, at the table can play them, and they can get killed off for basically no reason. So everyone in the system has two characters. They have a non-magus companion, and then they have a magus. And magic users in this system are fucking insanely powerful. Hmm. Which is why every player has at least has one. Mm-hmm. Hey, look, I can be a transvestite. You you can. That's uh, that's a flaw you can get in this system. It's a flaw in the Middle Ages, apparently. at least. Yeah, I was gonna say, is that politically correct to say that it's a flaw to be transvestite? You would not want to be caught uh, wearing women's clothing in the Middle Ages if you're a man. Right. If we're out of topics, I do have one more topic. Oh, well, that sounds fine. Um, so, first, well, uh, I, I really like the art on the front and back of this book, uh, but then all the art in, like, the inside is, like, generally less interesting. It's, like, weird medieval. Yes, which uh, is it's fine. It, it fits the uh, so I, thing okay. Yeah, I uh, think the most yeah. interesting thing about this book is the magic system, where you have five... Uh, Techniques right. and ten forms, and okay. you can combine them in kind of like a spell sentence system. So it's like you have creo ignem, mm-hmm. which is create fire, or you have perdo corpus, which is destroy body, and then you destroy you like rip some guy, turn some guy into dust. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to say is that uh, on the note of complexity, I was you know flipping through the pages of that book for all that time. And usually when I flip through the pages of an RPG book like that, when Chris brings it on, I have a vague idea what it's, you know, outlining, where character creation is and all that. I have no idea where the fuck that one was going. Yeah. Uh, So that definitely would not be a good entry-level RPG, I would guess. That's something where everyone would have to basically study the book, and Mm. I know... Probably 99% of people don't have the patience for that, and that's... So... I would. I don't think. I don't think I'll ever run this or play in this just because of that. Yeah, but it's a. But design wise, it's always an interesting thing to look at. Yeah, if we had a group of other people that was interested, in it, I'd be up for it. But I feel like our group would probably not be the group to do that. Yeah. So go ahead with your topic, Crow, the mysterious fan topic section that's reappeared. 
Yeah. So, well, this is more of like a plug, but the uh, oh, cool. the Legends Cookbook. I'm sure I've mentioned it on the show before. Yeah, plenty of times. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, actually, uh, looks really cool. So uh, go ahead and plug them. Yeah, they're almost done. They got a few days left. Uh, they are at sixty nine thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> almost at seventy thousand dollars here. They actually added a recipe based on Cadence of Hyrule today. Oh, really? Is a yeah. stretch goal? Uh, no, it was just a free thing. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, what is it? Out of curiosity. The recipe? Yeah. I have no fucking clue. Okay, they just said they have a recipe based on recipe. Cadence of Hyrule. Guys, what is the recipe? <laughs> yeah, they've only, they've only divulged a few recipes to me so far. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, have that's you guys really backed it yet? Um, I have not backed it. I keep thinking about it, because uh, especially now that they've got that stretch goal for the uh, boozy drinks, I think a lot of those would be cool to put on the podcast. And they because they've got a few different ones like the uh, that are kind of big and important in the um, Zelda lore, like uh, the Noble Pursuit and the uh, don't they have Chateau Romani in their uh, recipe for that? Yeah, yeah, yeah they I, just got that. I I would have to remember to back it when I get home. And say, there's only like two days left, so yeah. probably should do it. Yeah. So go check them out. Uh, and other than that, it sounds like a fair amount of interesting Zelda-inspired food dishes, which I would also be just inclined to look into a cookbook like that myself anyways, because I like food. Do they have teeth soup? Maybe. Probably. Maybe. I don't know. Counting the drinks, there are over 70 recipes. Okay, that sounds pretty. It sounds promising so far. Do they have the soup that Yeto made with pumpkin and cheese and reek fish? I hope so. That actually sounds good, except for the reek fish. <laughs> the reek fish kind of ruins it for me. I don't know because it's, it's hard to tell what you would actually just you know because the reek fish's big characteristic is that it was red. So I guess if you just found some large red. Uh, fish in a river, then you could substitute that, I guess. So, like a rainbow trout or something? They're not really. Well, I think they're defining in characteristic because their name is they smell bad. So, there's a bunch of humpback chubs in the Colorado River. Humpback chubs. That's true. That is, that's a, that's a real name for a fish. Yeah, didn't you? It's an ugly fish. I, I I always kind of thought fish were just ugly, weird looking creatures in general. It's ugly like, fish I, I, I always thought it was like hilarious watching fishing shows when a guy catches it say, oh man that's a beautiful fish like dude you look at that that's not beautiful it's a fucking fish fish aren't beautiful would you make out with that I would not make out with that I might make out I'd with that I'd eat it would I eat a chubby yeah I don't know I'd probably try it I'm, I'm adventurous you can tell because I drank poison on the fucking podcast <laughs> <laughs> so was that last week you drank poison? No, that was a few weeks ago. Remember when I made yeah, that? Yeah, it was pre E three. When I yeah, when I told everybody to add stupid ingredients and you told me to put in peanut butter and oh okay, so we both vodka drank it. and yeah. yeast. Yeah, and yeah, I may steak, have... peanut butter, uh, vodka, three kinds of whiskey, dog steak sauce. <laughs> yes. That's a that's a random ass reference that I bet one person listening to this will get. <laughs> Crow, you have any idea what he's talking about? Nope. All right. Dog steak sauce. 
No Gross. wonder it tasted so good. <laughs> Crow's like, what the fuck are you guys smoking over there? I mean, this is a legal state. Yeah. Yeah, but they don't like school bus drivers smoking pot, so. Yeah. I'll stick to beer. Beer is cheap and delicious. And this is uh, decent and not very expensive mule thing. I also didn't actually have a copper cup like you're supposed to serve it in, but I think I think this one's aluminum or something. Close enough. Might be stainless steel. Aluminum I have no idea. Shit. It's metal. Yeah, it's metal. Good enough. Oh, I do have a something random to talk about. I like is, random things to talk about because we have really hit our limit because we we're somehow running slightly short, but we've you know, I mean that's fine. We could have a shortish episode. But so. It'll be full of, uh, what did I say? Inane bullshit? Yeah, it is inane bullshit. Yeah. Inane bullshit. We endorse nothing. Yeah. (laughs) We endorse nothing. We don't prohibit any behavior. We don't encourage it. Because that might land us in legal hot water. I endorse and encourage backing Legends Cookbook. Okay, that's probably Because I want them to sponsor me. Still probably like, okay. I am up yeah. with them sponsoring you. Yeah. Uh, Tell us about it. But what I was going to say is about two Sundays ago, I ran the final session of a campaign I've been running for five years. Huh. And uh, it's kind of interesting looking back from the first session of that to the final session of that and seeing what it turned into, where mm-hmm. it was like two guys raiding an old castle for treasure into going on the moon using a ritual to turn yourself cotton in size so you could shoot death laser at a goddess of destruction. Cool. Uh, yeah, campaigns are interesting like that when you get really like far into them, uh, especially multiple year-long uh, campaigns when you're doing it you know, pretty regularly. Because mm-hmm. um, there was a few of them that we had that ran, you know, maybe close to that long back in the day when we were doing it more consistently. I think Owen's uh, second Ravenloft game was the one that ended up actually running that long. Yeah, definitely close if it wasn't five years. Because uh, that was, you know, up further than epic levels and everybody had a bunch of divine ranks and all sorts of crazy stuff. People exploded. People shot themselves out of them around the moon. I did. Yeah. I did both of those things. <laughs> People used hammers that dealt a million d6 of damage. It is the hardest thing was finding that many d6 in the room. Just a point, lot of rerolls. At some point, <laughs> right. you just take the average. Right. Yeah. Okay. So he does on average half a million. Call it good. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The best part of that was that we were treated as a swarm enemy because of some weird bullshit spell, which meant that on all of my attacks, I was treated as having that weapon for a million D6. And, like, I could apply my charge attack bonus damage for, like, a times eight multiplier or something on all of my eight attacks at the end of a charge or something when I was hasted. 
Does anyone really understand the bullshit Dan got up to? Not even a little. <laughs> like, he just said stuff, and I just accepted it. He was like, I turn you into a Tarrasque. I'm like, okay. I was having enough trouble keeping track of my own bullshit, so. Right, yeah. The best part of that was that, like, for the longest time, I was actually just barbarian and, and had no other class levels in anything. And everybody else was doing weird, complicated bills with prestige classes and things like that. And, like, eventually I came, like, I started doing a little less damage once we got into the epic levels because epic level barbarians really get jack shit. Like, all the core classes get jack shit for epic levels. Um... And so I think Owen came to me and he was like, hey, you're kind of doing less damage than average. And I feel like you used to be one of the biggest damages. And he's like, what, what's going on? And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, let's look at your build. I'm like, okay. We look at it and he's like, you're a level 23 barbarian. That's it. <laughs> I'm like, yep, it's stupid simple and it fucking worked for the first 20 levels. Oh, that reminds me, and th this is the this is one of the reasons I bring this up is two characters ascended to godhood after killing this goddess because they got to the requisite amount of hallow. Mm -hmm. uh, one was the character that we all knew was gonna get there because he had been at fifteen hallow forever, which is the maximum you can get in my game. Mm -hmm. But the other character kind of sneaked in because they found an item that swapped your hallow and corruption once. And they got him up to as high a corruption you can get without turning into a demon and swapped it in. Uh, and he went up to 15. And he ended up becoming the god of undeath, the god of destruction, and the god of fishing. Sweet. Fishing? Fishing. And I thought that okay. was relevant to Doc. Yeah, I, I have a character who would have identified with that at one point. Because um, I didn't specifically have any technically I could have applied for godhood or, or what have you because I had the divine powers to go with it and such but I didn't if if there was anything that I would have picked that I bet Doc would have probably been the god of drinking grog and fishing yeah <laughs> so yeah Crow you ever ascend to godhood nope oh. so I've been past level 5 you have been past level 5 or have not. Have not. Have not been past level five. Okay. Crow, you need to come down here and play D&D with us one of these days. Yeah. One of these days. Yeah. Are you still planning on DMing your first session for us? Yeah, Sunday. Because uh, one of these days we should do that. I think that would be hilarious. Get that on the podcast. And, uh, we'll just have a rollicking good time, as yes. the teenagers say these days. Yeah, that's what they all, That's what I hear them say. Yeah. All those teenagers I don't hang out with. Yeah. They call you the bee's knees. That'd actually be pretty weird now. They call me a jive turkey. They call you the knees of the bees. Yeah. Weird. I'm still trying to figure out if jive turkey is an insult or a compliment or a racial slur. I don't think the person who came up with that knew. Probably not. I don't know. But don't they all just say, how's it cracking, jive turkey? Don't how's worry it about it. Crack a lacking? I'll drink some cracking. Do you have any cracking? Not on me. I have some other kind of rum that I don't know what it is that's been in a bottle for, like, probably a couple of years. So. 
How do you feel about systems requiring weird dice? I mean, like, D3s and D5s and shit. Um, unless the book comes with those weird dice, it, it seems kind of awkward, because, like, I'm the only person I know who owns a physical D3 and a physical D5. And a physical D7. I do have a physical D7. A seven-sided die would be hard to duplicate. Yeah. Um, so with that, like, a D3, it's like, okay, sure, whatever. Everybody has a D6. You can divide it by two. But, um, like, with anything else, it's like, just use the standard dice or, or some combination of them. You don't have to stick to one. You don't have to use all of them like D&D does. But it seems to me, like, why would you go out of your way to do stupid bullshit for that if you were trying to market your system to people who probably don't own dice like that? I know Dungeon Crawl Classics did that, and apparently that came out number one in a poll for systems that were like that, that were related to that. And that kind of confuses the shit out of me, because I'm like, I like I like the standard dice. I like the mm -hmm. platonic solids dice and the D10. Yeah. What do you think, Crow? You like weird-ass dice? I am neutral. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on a post. I haven't used them. I don't know if I would go out of my way to use them, but I would not be opposed to using them. Right. Okay. It's For us, I guess, it's an issue because there's, like, standard <laughs> die sizes that you can buy anywhere, and then there's the weird dice that... As far as I know, you can only get them in a set of one of each of them from ThinkGeek five years ago. <laughs> like, like I, I haven't been on ThinkGeek in a while. I don't even know if they have these this dice set anymore. They might. Might not. ThinkGeek's website's actually gone. Oh, it's is gone? it officially now? Oh. Yeah, I, like I the company still exists, but GameStop is working on liquidating them and merging them with our own website so it's more streamlined. Right. That's I saw that they were taking down theirs and, and stuff because they had a, a I mean, closeout sale on a whole bunch of stuff, and I, I almost bought a badass Zelda watch, which actually on the closeout sale with a discount code would have been free with, like, $3 of shipping or something. That's where I first ordered flavor tripping berries. Yeah. I've which, heard of those from ThinkGeek. Did you never have those? I never did. I remember. <laughs> They're uh, interesting. See that? Yeah. Okay, well, unless anybody else has any other bread ideas, I guess we're done here. Are we done here? I think we're done here. We're probably done here. All right. Well, in that case, Internet, my name is Sean Michael Patrick Thompson, and it has been a pleasure to be inside you tonight. That's, uh, Has it been a pleasure for you two to be inside the internet That's at the same time? It's pretty weird, man. We're all in I'm the internet at the, the same internet. time. Yeah, it's true. Crow lives in the internet. We've been over that. Yeah. I could, I could try and play us an outro theme on my on my tin whistle to see if I do any better. Are we going to shill ourselves? <laughs> I, I, I rolled a one. Oh, have you watched The Ballad of Buster Scruggs? Uh, no. Is it good? Uh, I'm right in the middle of it. 
I really liked the first story, and I really liked, I think, the fourth story. Huh. I think the rest of the stories are probably, like, sad huh. and depressing. Weird. But, I mean, they're good. Yeah. Well, anyways, go ahead and plug yourself, old Chris. Oh, yeah. I'm Christopher Somebody uh, Kill Me. Uh, hot hat. <laughs> and uh, I wrote House of Flowers, and I co-wrote uh, Five Cataclysms Core Rules Beta Edition. Uh, you can find both of those on DriveThruRPG. They're both pay what you want. Uh, pick them up for free and tell me what you think. Uh, my co-author has also released several pay, paid modules, modules you'll have to shell out money for. I recommend picking up The Sunken Fort because everyone agrees it's good. Cool. I'll agree to that. Or at least I'll drink to it. Crow, plug yourself. Yeah, I am Cobra Gannon. You can find me in a couple places. Two guys playing Zelda. YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. All Cobra Cannon. I write stuff. I make stuff. And on July 1st, I have something super big coming to my channel. So, oh, find me then. It's going to be so shiny. Shiny and new, you yeah. say. All right. Well, until next week, uh, we have been a drink to the past. So, um... We need a snappy, like, outro catchphrase. Um, keep on drinking. Shoot the pool with your boys, my son. Don't be stupid. All right. You can pick whichever one of those you want and uh, call it our catchphrase. Bye!